At Thursday's town hall, NBC moderator Savannah Guthrie finally, finally asked President Trump an important question that he's never answered, that he refuses to answer, a question that is the, at the top of everybody's mind. You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. In the moment, you didn't. You asked some follow-up questions. Who specifically? A couple of days later, on a different show, oh, you, you, you denounced white supremacy. No, you My question to you is, you, you've done this to why me does and everybody, it seem like... I denounced white supremacy, okay? You did I've two denounced days later. white supremacy for years, but you always do it. You always start off with a well, question. You didn't ask Joe Biden whether or not he denounces Antifa. I watched him on the same basic show with Lester Holt. And he was asking questions like Biden was a child. Well, well so th this so is a little bit ready? of a dodge. Are you, wait, are you listening? I denounce white supremacy. Okay. What's your next question? Do you feel, it feels sometimes you're hesitant to do so. Like you hesitant. wait a bit. Here we go again. It, it just feels like, I know you've just denounced white supremacy five times, but it just feels like you don't want to, do you want, will you do it? Do you still beat your wife? Do you still beat your wife? Ah, there are no moderators left. There are no moderators left at NBC. There are no moderators left in the mainstream media. There are no moderators left in our culture. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from last week from Sunshine Coolwater, who says, it wasn't a smoking gun, more like a smoking pipe. Oh, that's not nice. That has to do with the Hunter Biden story, which, which we will get to because the Hunter Biden messaging, the media obviously are trying to suppress this. They are not allowing it to be posted on social media platforms. Finally, they had to relent a little bit, but they're still banning people for posting about it. And you're hearing two things. You're hearing one, this is false Russian misinformation. And then on the other hand, you're saying, but some of the emails make him look good. And you say, well, hold on, wait a second. Are the emails and the texts from Hunter Biden, are they true or are they false? If they're false and they're Russian misinformation, that's one thing. But if they're true, then we have to look into the allegations. But ba basically what they want to say is the, the damning ones that talk about Hunter Biden getting bought off by the Chinese and by other people around the world, the Ukrainians and selling his dad's influence, those are fake. But the ones that make them look good, those are real. We'll, we'll get into what's real. It's very difficult, the, the communication these days, because obviously there are a lot of people who do not want to be able to communicate the real information that's going on in this election. Now, if you want to be able to communicate in a very inexpensive and effective way, you need Pure Talk USA, okay? If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you are simply paying way, way too much for the exact same coverage that you would be getting right now with Pure Talk. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than four gigs of data per month, but the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. That is how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 per year on their wireless service for exactly the same network. I know what you're hearing is like, well, it's a similar kind of network. No, it's using the exact same network as one of those carriers. You can get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data all for just $20 per month. And if you go over your data usage, they won't charge you for it. How crazy is that? It's unbelievable. Uh, head on over. You're, you're just throwing money away right now. If you do not go to Pure Talk USA, get your mobile phone, dial pound 250 and say Michael Knowles. When you do, you will save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250. Say keyword Michael Knowles. Pure Talk. Simply smarter wireless. 
The town halls last week were very, very different. You had the Trump town hall, which was actually a debate with the moderate moderator, quote unquote, Savannah Guthrie. Then you had the Biden town hall, which was a total snooze fest. The reason we had the town halls at all is because the Democrats chickened out of the presidential debates. There was supposed to be a second presidential debate, but then the, the presidential debate commission insisted that it be virtual, insisted that there be all these different safeguards because Trump had coronavirus a while ago. He's obviously doesn't have it anymore. And so the, they, because the Dems wanted to chicken out, They had these two town halls instead, which were not virtual, which were in person, which shows you what a lie it was that they they used to try to get out of the debates. The the town hall that President Trump attended was much more hostile than any debate could have been. They realized that Joe Biden can't string two sentences together, so they decided to put in this relatively younger woman, Savannah Guthrie, to pretend to be a moderator, but actually to be the debate partner. So she opens up this town hall where she's supposed to be fielding questions from everyone in the audience. She opens up on maybe the question people care least about, which is the timeline of President Trump getting tested for coronavirus. When was your last negative test? When did you last remember having a negative test? Well, I test quite a bit. And I can tell you that before the debate, which I thought was a very good debate, and I felt fantastically. I, I was, I had no problem before. Did you test the day afterwards. of the debate? Uh, I don't know. I don't even remember. I test all the time. But I, I can tell you this. Uh, after the debate, like, I guess a day or so, I think it was Thursday evening, maybe even late Thursday evening, uh, I tested positive. That's when I first found out. Well, back it. to the debate, because the debate commission's rules, it was the honor system, would yeah. be that you would come with a negative test. You say you don't know if you got a test on the day of the debate? I have no problem. Again, the doctors do it. I don't ask them. I, I test all the time. And they, Did you take a test though you, on the day you, of the you debate? Know, if you ask the doctor, they'll give you a perfect answer. I love this exchange because of course nobody cares about this at all. Trump says, look, I tested positive on this day, but that was after the debate. She says, but when did you test negative on the day of the debate? He's like, I don't know. I test like three times a day. How am I supposed to know? And she's trying to back him into a corner where either he contradicts himself or he tells some lie or you get some doctor in the White House to say, he did take a test at this hour, but not at this hour, some nonsense. So Trump is just sitting there. He's, he's pushing it out very well because he's just observing. Nobody cares about this other than the media who are trying to entrap him. So then when that, when that path doesn't work, when, when the, the idea that Trump gave the virus to, I don't know, Joe Biden or Chris Wallace, which obviously didn't happen by the way, so the question is totally pointless. Then she starts to harangue him about those stupid masks. But Trump gives an answer here that he's been a little off on some of the mask messaging over the past six or nine months. This answer gets to the heart of the issue of the masks. As president, I can't be locked in a room someplace for the next year and just stay and do nothing. And every time I go into a crowd, uh, I was with uh, the parents of our fallen heroes. These people are the most incredible people. And they came up to me and they would hug me and they would touch me. And I'm not going to not let them do it. Now, there was an event with the Gold Star families the day after the Supreme Court event. A Gold Star event with the most incredible people you've ever seen. And I could have chosen not to talk to them or to keep everybody away. And you know what? 
as, and I don't think that's probably where it was caught, but maybe it well, was. Well, I was going to say, you bring it up. You brought it up yourself. I mean, are you trying to suggest that? Do you believe a grieving military family gave you COVID? No, I don't know where it came from. Okay. And you don't know where it came from, and the doctors don't know where it came from. You're right. You don't want to, you want to be a leader, but you also are a leader and a setter of an example. And if you're not wearing a mask when your administration is saying best practice right now is wear a mask, no, it's not foolproof. But many but people are catching it. So completely ridiculous line of questioning. First of all, the, the Trump makes this point on the masks that I think is hugely important. The masks are very, very dumb. They're extremely dumb. I'm not making a scientific statement. I'm making a political and a philosophical statement. The masks are dumb because we're humans. We're social creatures. We get a lot of our cues from how people smile. We like to see, aren't smiles nice? We speak. Speech is the thing that makes us human and separates us from the animals. Speech. Aristotle has written about this. Oh, we've known about this for the whole history of our civilization. Speech. And when you muzzle people and you cut off their mouths and you block their face and you view individuals as though they're walking piles of germs, that breaks down society. And man is a social creature. And I don't care if I don't care. I, I mentioned this on my show a couple weeks ago. If you told me right now, you can extend your life by five years, or you can wear a potato sack over your head for the rest of your life. You can, you can, you, you will live longer if you, if you wear the potato sack or you can shorten your life by five years and not wear the potato sack. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to take the, I'm going to lose the five years. Okay. Because I want to see people and I don't want us to all view each other like walking piles of germs. Now, of course that the scientific question isn't, isn't even that dichotomy. Because as, as the CDC pointed out, we mentioned this on the show last week, 85% of people who are testing positive for the virus report wearing their masks always or often. 3.9% of people who are diagnosed with COVID are saying that they never wear their masks. So the issue of the masks is one that is very complicated. Dr. Fauci has said from the beginning that people don't wear them correctly, which makes it an issue. There was the, the epidemiologist at Columbia who told NPR that the reason the masks fail in studies is because people don't wear them right. So there are all these sort of scientific issues, but that's not the point Trump is making. He's saying, look, there's a grieving family that wants to hug me. I'm not going to tell them no because of this stupid virus that has a higher than 99% survival rate. Okay. I don't even care that I'm, I'm older and I'm, I'm at a greater risk and I'm the president of the United States. Some grieving family wants to hug me. I'm not going to say no germs go away. And what does Savannah got? She says, you're saying that you got COVID from a grieving family. He goes, no, I never said that. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then, and then she hits another point, which is a key here again, not to the science, but to the politics. She says, your administration is saying to wear the masks. So why won't you wear the masks? And, and I just thought that question sums up the left's view of politics, which is that our duly elected representatives should have no say over our politics. The administration should, meaning the bureaucracy, meaning the deep state, meaning the experts. They should be able to tell the duly elected president of the United States what to do. I don't give a damn what the Trump administration is doing. I didn't vote for the administration. I voted for Trump. He's the guy. That should, that should have been his answer there. It's like, oh yeah, you're gonna, I'm, I got to listen to my subordinates? I don't think so, sister. No way. But I'm glad he's getting to the point here because if we go tit for tat over, well, this study says the masks are 2% effective. Well, this study says the masks are 50% effective. It's just, that's a losing game. Who can, that's not the point. The point is what society do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a society where we're social again, where we see each other and we see smiling faces down the street? You know, there was a protest outside of a nursing home just last week 
And it was older people saying, the only thing we look forward to are hugs from our loved ones. And you psychos won't let us get them because of your stupid priorities. And because you've outsourced all of our political and philosophical questions to a bunch of eggheads in lab coats who don't understand that I don't really care. <laughs> I don't really care if I can extend my life an extra six months, but not ever get a hug or, or, or be near my family again. Trump, Trump finally now getting that argument. That's the argument that I think we've got to push. Then, of course, Savannah gets onto the really, really important issues. You know, the issues that are at the top of every, much more than white supremacy even. The issues that are at the top of everybody's mind, namely a meme going around the internet, which we will get to, but there, you've, you've got to recognize here that there is good information and there is pointless information all over the internet, okay? And we waste a lot of our time on the pointless information, but you can occasionally get information that will help your life and your business, namely Expert Ownership Live. Small businesses have taken a battering since March, okay? Many of them are still feeling the effects of these lockdowns. Jeremy Boring, who runs this ship over here, The Daily Wire, has talked about how the, the company was on the brink a number of times. Even when the company was doing well, it was on the brink sometimes because all businesses go through these kinds of crises. We're very excited to tell you that this Wednesday, Daily Wire God King Jeremy Boring is going to be presenting alongside a team of world-renowned business leaders at Expert Ownership Live, a two-day virtual conference about leading through crisis. The conference features a lineup of speakers, such as leadership author John Maxwell, the founders of Duck Commander and Otterbox, the Benham Brothers, and many others who can relate to what entrepreneurs and leaders are going through right now. They will share stories about their own businesses, startup journeys, the, the tough times that come along with those, with any, any company at all, and how they were able to come out the other side of a crisis stronger than they were before. So right now, go to expertownershiplive.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to register for $197. Get a second ticket for a friend, 50% off. You do not want to miss Jeremy. Do you? Maybe you do want to miss Jeremy, but you can always skip his if you, I don't know. He's got a lot of wisdom, you know, so I would check it out. ExpertOwnershipLive.com slash Knowles to reserve your spot this Wednesday for $197. Get an opportunity to get a second ticket for 50% off. This conference is one of those investments in your business that you will be very thankful for later on down the road. ExpertOwnershipLive.com slash Knowles. After all the ridiculous hectoring about the the masks and about the COVID tests. Then Savannah gets into the real issues because, you know, what I think we're all, we all want to talk about right now is QAnon, right? We were supposed to, as mentioned, be watching you on a debate stage right now. We're not doing that. So let's clear up a few things from the last one. Hold it right there. We are watching that right now. We are watching a debate. We're not watching a moderated town hall. We are watching some NBC Democrat hack grilling the president for at this point, it's been over 10 minutes at this point. She's still grilling the guy and debating him point for point. But, but we have to get to that important question, right? I know you wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night. You say, ah, ah, what is, what does Trump think about QAnon? Please, I need to know. Well, good. Savannah asks the question. Frankly, you want to know something? I denounce Antifa and I denounce these people on the left that are burning down our cities that are run by Democrats who don't All know right, what they're doing. While we're denouncing, let me ask you about QAnon. It is this theory that uh, Democrats are a satanic pedophile ring and that you are the savior of that. Now, can you just once and for all state that that is 
completely not true so and disavow QAnon yeah. in its entirety? I know nothing about QAnon. I just told I you. I know very little. You told me, but what you tell me doesn't necessarily make it fact. I hate to say that. <laughs> that is very much the case. It's funny because before Savannah asked the question, I thought, oh, QAnon, I don't really know what that is, but you know, it sounds kind of kooky. And so, yeah, I totally reject that. But then she explained it. She says, Democrats are a satanic pedophile ring and Trump is stopping them. And I thought, oh, well, sort of, sort of checks out to me. Uh, maybe where, hold on, where's the kooky part? <laughs> so she's, is obviously such a stupid question. So the people, they're dying to know what you think about QAnon, you know, this like internet thing. And Trump says, well, I don't know about that. And she goes, well, okay, I'll tell you disavow it though. And he's like, well, I, I don't know. I don't trust you. You're a liar. <laughs> and I don't think anyone really cares about the QAnon thing. So, uh, no, but you have to disavow it, please disavow it. You must, Mr. Trump. Uh, of course, QAnon is not, uh, is not an issue. By the way, you know, the minute that Trump disavows QAnon, they're going to accuse him of supporting Satanism and pedophilia, right? Because if QAnon is anti-Satanism, and anti-pedophilia, then you know the minute he says, okay, I disavow. They're like, well, why are you a pedophile? Why do you support Satan? What you, like, well, you just told me to disavow it. During this entire exchange, which by the way, went on for 20 minutes, 20 minutes before they took a single question from the audience. The whole point was to go there, no debating, just you start taking questions from the audience. It goes on 20 minutes. There was a woman behind them, this a black woman wearing a mask, and she's sort of nodding along and the media were so upset that anyone could even be seen to maybe tacitly agree with Trump that they started going after this woman. Sarah Cooper, who's some blue check chicky on, on Twitter, tweets out a parody of Taken about a black woman who follows Trump around nodding at everything he says. It's called Token. Haha, <laughs> get it? But it's very fun to make fun of uh, black women who support Republicans because black women are supposed to be owned by Democrats. You're not allowed you're not allowed to be a black woman and support a Republican. That's wrong. That's it. We can make fun of you. We can mock you for your race. We can mock you for your sex. We can mock you for anything. We white leftists, because you're ours. You're supposed to be ours. You're not supposed to be conservative. CNN ran a whole segment furious about this, this woman. And, and they tried to insinuate that this was a nefarious plot. The fact that this woman was there actually violated the rules of the town hall. As the president was questioned on a range of topics, Jolie could be seen nodding as Trump answered. Despite the town hall event being billed as an audience of undecided voters, Jolie is actually a Trump supporter who ran for Congress as a pro-Trump candidate in 2018. Well, they got him. They got him then, right? Because this was supposed to be a town hall for undecided voters. And this woman, they found out through their sleuthing, was a Trump supporter in 2016. Now, I know that it had passed town hall debates, like with Joe Biden. They've They've had multiple undecided voters who turned out to be Biden supporters, avowed Biden supporters who've spoken on air about how they support Biden. But that's fine. We don't need to cover that story. They got him dead to rights, right? They got him. This was supposed to be a town hall for undecided voters. And the woman there supported Trump. Uh, except, oh, except the town hall wasn't for undecided voters. This audience looks a bit like America. It's divided. Some here voted for the president in 2016 and plan to again. Some support Joe Biden and some say they are truly undecided. We're going to get a mix of questions on a range of topics. So, so, oh, some people there supported Trump like that woman, but CNN couldn't be bothered to Google it. Or maybe they did. Maybe they knew the truth and they just wanted to lie about it because when the story doesn't fit their narrative, they just go on and make it up. 
That, that was the tenor of the night. And Trump did very well at this, I thought. He did much better at this town hall, which was really a debate, than he did at the last debate. And I'm, I suspect he would have done better at, at a Joe Biden debate than he would have done at the last debate, too. Incumbents often lose their first debate. I don't think Trump lost. I just don't think he, he didn't, he didn't come off very well at that debate because he kept interrupting and it was, he had a, he had a good strategy for the first 10 minutes or so. And then the rest, it kind of fell apart, but I think he probably would have done much better at a second debate. Now they're going to try to pull this debate that the third debate away from them. They're already switching it so that it's no longer a foreign policy debate because Joe Biden just got nailed on corruption in Ukraine and in China. So they're saying, well, we can't talk about foreign policy. Then we'll move on from there. Meanwhile, so the Trump town hall is going on. There's a Biden town hall, which was a complete snooze fest. They went right into questions with voters. Nobody, there was no 20 minute long debate before, before the town hall. There was one moment though, that was really disturbing, which is, uh, some woman stands up and says that her little children are transgender and wants to know, uh, Joe Biden's thoughts on transing little kids. And he, he gave the wrong answer. I'm the proud mom of two girls eight and 10. My youngest daughter is transgender. She isn't. She isn't. She isn't a she. I mean, if, if she's saying, if this woman is saying that her youngest daughter is transgender, what she's saying is she has a little eight-year-old boy and she's pretending that that little eight-year-old boy is a girl, but the little boy isn't a girl. The little boy is a boy barely capable of reason at age eight, well below the age of consent, 10 years below the age of consent. And this woman is an abusive mother who's damaging her little son. And I don't know why she's doing that, but it is truly, truly awful. And if there is ever a role for the state to get involved, it's when parents are abusing their little boys and trying to pretend that they're little girls for whatever psychotic reason has motivated them to do that in their own adult heads. Obviously not very well-formed adult heads. This is some sick stuff. Now, probably, by the way, the state would come in with child protective services and take your kids away from you if you don't trans the kids, if you don't let your little boy who says he's a girl dress up like a little girl. But of course, in a just society, the opposite would be true. So she, she poses this question. She goes, what should I, look, I want to dress my little boy up as a girl and have him pretend to be a little girl. What are you going to do about that when people say that that's not such a nice thing? Joe Biden says, you know, I, I'm sorry you're going through that. Absolutely, we should trans the kids. How will you, as president, reverse this dangerous and discriminatory agenda and ensure that the lives and rights of LGBTQ people are protected under U.S. law? I will flat out just change the law. Every, eliminate those executive orders, number one. There should be zero discrimination. And what's happening is too many transgender women of color are being murdered. They're being murdered. There is no reason to suggest that there should be any right denied your daughter or daughters, whichever, one or two, one, one your daughter, that your other daughter has a right to be and do. None. Zero. So you can tell Joe Biden doesn't know anything about this issue. So he just goes back to the one talking point that some staffer told him, which is transgender women of color are being murdered. Now, I know when you say that, it sounds like there's some epidemic of this in the country, but it's not the case. It's something like 20 per year, 20 black men who are, who identify as women. And usually when you look into the individual cases, it's because they're involved in prostitution or something like that and are, are killed by black men who are either didn't know that they were transgender. Who knows? I mean, these are very 
very sad cases, but they're, they're very particular cases. All right. This is not like mil- this is happening to millions of people per year or anything like that, but obviously it doesn't affect this woman. She is very much a white woman and her daughters or, you know, her son and her daughter are not adults. This is, this is not about whether adults can choose to dress a certain way or identify a certain way. This is about whether eight-year-old children can be made to look more like the opposite sex, whether you can block their puberty, whether you can shoot them full of hormones, whether you can castrate them, whether you can cross-dress them. This is some sick, perverted stuff. And any reasonable society would stand up and say, listen, lady, I don't know what you're doing to your kid, but stop dressing your little boy up like a little girl. When he gets older, when he, if he's 25 years old and he decides he wants to put on a dress at night, that's his own business. But you sure shouldn't be doing that. Can you imagine how confusing that is to a little boy? When I was eight years old, I wore a little Batman cape around birthday parties and told people to call me Batman. I'm very pleased my mother did not indulge the fantasy that I wish she had indulged the fantasy that I was a billionaire. That would have been great. That would actually, okay, maybe I'm undercutting my own argument, but certainly if I thought I was a different sex, that, that can be extraordinarily damaging. But what does Biden know? He just goes along and he kind of makes these things up as he goes. You can tell he was grasping for the issue. He didn't even understand really the question. And, and he does this on all issues. You know, there, there's an, an answer that Joe Biden gave on a matter of uh, same-sex marriage, redefining marriage a while ago, because Joe Biden, for most of his career, supported the traditional definition of marriage. And then around 2012, he decided to flip on this. And then he wanted to pretend that he's always been super duper gay. I don't know. He's been very much in favor of gay rights and redefining marriage and all these things. So he's given this answer and he's repeated it a lot on the campaign trail. And something about it just doesn't sound quite right. I saw these two men in the corner when I was getting out of the car, both well-dressed men in suits, lean up and kiss one another and then go their separate ways. One went to the Hercules building and one went to the DuPont building. And I turned and looked at my dad, just looked at me, said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. It's simple, Joey. They love each other. What prompted me, I let the president know that I, uh, I did not have to evolve at all. I was, and uh, my wife, my sister, all of us, we were uh, way not ahead, but we, we, it was never thought to be a problem with us. That never happened. <laughs> I can tell you, I would bet the farm. I would bet every dollar to my name. <laughs> that did not happen. Two guys in the 1960s, in the middle of the center of Delaware, did not kiss one another. Because in those days, it was uh, not publicly acceptable to do that. And they wouldn't have done, even the guys might have lived together, might have, you know, sort of done whatever, wouldn't have happened in public. And I promise you, Joe Biden's dad didn't say, Sonny, you you see this perfectly choreographed moment so that that you can use on a campaign trail 60 years from now? Joey, they love each other. No, I bet I, something tells me Joe Biden's dad, who was born, what, in like the late 19th century or something, early 20th century, was not this like open-minded liberal guy. who was like, God, Joey, you know, this is great. And in 2012, you should come out and defend gay marriage, even though you'll vigorously oppose it for your entire career. But then you can remember this moment, Joey, those guys love each other. It didn't happen. And Joe Biden lies about these things all the time. Don't forget, he had to drop out of the 1988 presidential race because he was a liar. He lied. He's lied about horrible personal events. He lied about the driver who got into a car accident with his wife, this tragedy when his, his, his wife died. He lied about that guy. For, and, and after the guy died, the guy felt so horrible about it for his whole life. And then after the guy died, he maligned him based on nothing and said that he was a drunk driver. The Atlantic even called Joe Biden out on this story. 
So here's what Joe Biden could say. He could say, yeah, you know, look, I, I'm a product of my age and I kind of don't really have any beliefs, but I went along with it. And so, yeah, I, I opposed homosexuality for most of my career. And then I was okay with homosexuality, but I supported, uh, I opposed redefining marriage. And then around 2012, I changed my mind because it was more politically expedient and I supported redefining marriage. And that's my career. And you'd say, okay, well, that's true of a lot of politicians. So that's fine. Whatever. You know, okay, no big deal. But instead, he's got to lie and say, oh, yeah, me, man, I was, I was dancing to the village people back in 1962 at the YMCA. Like, no, you weren't, Joe Biden. You weren't doing that. And none of that is credible, which is why when he gives answers on anything, forget, you know, transing the kids or, or uh, gay marriage or whatever. I mean, when he gives answers on taxes, when he gives answers on anything, you can't believe it because the guy has no principles. The guy has no beliefs. He, he was giving an answer on police brutality alleged police brutality. And they said, okay, well, you know, what happens if a criminal is like coming at a cop and is a real threat or he's a threat to another person? You're saying the cop can't use deadly force? And Joe Biden tries to split the baby. You can ban chokeholds, you can, but, you, but the, beyond that, you have to teach people how to de-escalate circumstances, de-escalate. So instead of anybody coming at you, the first thing you do is shoot to kill, you shoot them in the leg. There's ways Biden 2020, shoot him in the leg, shoot him in the leg. Now, anybody who has worked in law enforcement, anybody who's ever shot a gun will tell you that is very, very poor form. If you're going to shoot, you shoot right into the guy, right where you have the best chance of hitting. Shooting in the, do you know how hard it is to shoot in the leg when somebody's running away? And what does it mean to shoot in the leg? You might, if you've got a dangerous situation where you have to use force, who knows? The other guy might have a gun. He might have a knife. He could be putting other people in danger. You can't do that. You've got to make a decision. But Joe Biden can't make a decision because he doesn't believe anything. And he licks his index finger, puts it up in the air and figures out which way the wind blows. After these silly back-to-back, you know, side-by-side town halls, we find out that the moderator who is supposed to moderate that debate between Biden and Trump, not moderate at all. And actually turns out that he lied. He lied right through his teeth, which was a huge embarrassment to the mainstream media. And it's only going to get worse at the next debate, which we will get to in one second. However, as with everything in 2020, there's been a lot of drama, you know, around these debates, but we are ready for the next and final debate this Thursday. Join us at 845 Eastern, 545 Pacific for an all new episode of Daily Wire backstage to watch the debate with us and get our immediate live reaction to this major political event. And even better, Join Daily Wire right now as an insider or all access member and get 20% off with code debate so that you can watch all the debate coverage live on our Apple TV or Roku app. Watch the debate with us at dailywire.com, YouTube, Facebook. Get 20% off your Daily Wire membership and not one but two leftist tears tumblers with code debate when you sign up today. Head on over. We will be right back with a lot more. So the moderator of the proposed second debate, Steve Scully, found it came out that he was tweeting, he thought, I think, privately tweeting with Anthony Scaramucci, to, who is very anti-Trump now, before the debate to talk about what to ask about. When this tweet came out, Steve Scully pretended that he got hacked. That was his big excuse. He says, I was hacked. This isn't real. I'm talking to the law enforcement right now. We're going to find out what went wrong. Turns out 
he didn't get hacked. Joe Lockhart at CNN tweets out, quote, fact, if Steve Scully says he didn't send it, you can take it to the bank, period. Anyone who questions him or makes accusations is a damn liar. Well, guess what? It turns out, once again, CNN, intrepid reporting, uh, CNN was totally wrong. The accusations of everyone being a liar, totally wrong. Steve Scully himself lied. He was not hacked. Scully, uh, Uh, comes out and says, for several weeks, I was subjected to relentless criticism on social media and in conservative news outlets regarding my role as moderator for the second presidential debate, including attacks aimed directly at my family. I didn't see any of those attacks, Buster. And if if your argument is I got some private emails or something, we all do. Quit whining. Give me a break. Also, you you were criticized for your role in the debate because you were a Joe Biden intern, for goodness sakes, and you worked for Ted Kennedy in the press office. So yeah, we didn't think you're much of a moderator. We don't think you're very moderate. And it's preposterous that partisan Dems moderate every single damn debate, including the one that Fox News hosts. Fox News is supposed to be a conservative outlet. Who do they put up to be their moderator? The Democrat on staff. So yeah, we criticized you. Right. Scully says, this culminated on Thursday, October 8th, when I heard President Trump go on national television twice and falsely attack me by name. Falsely? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know falsely. Out of frustration, I sent a brief tweet to Anthony Scaramucci. The next morning when I saw that this tweet had created a new controversy, I falsely claimed that my Twitter account had been hacked. Then he goes on, he says, but I take responsibility. No, you're not taking responsibility. You're blaming Trump that you colluded with an anti-Trump guy before a debate that you're supposed to moderate, and then that you lied about it and said that you were hacked, and that somehow that's Trump's fault? That's your fault, Buster. That's your fault. But you got caught. You got caught as a dem hack, and so what did you do? You went crying and complaining. So pathetic. By the way, it's not going to get any better at this next debate. The next moderator of a debate is also a huge lib. Kristen Welker, Uh, has deep democratic ties. Her parents, for starters, have donated tens of thousands of dollars to Democrats over the years. This woman has been photographed with Barack Obama, all smiley, smiley. And in 2016, this one was pretty funny. She gave uh, Hillary spokesman, Jennifer Palmieri, a heads up on interview questions that she was about to ask. We go right to Kristen Welker. Kristen, go ahead. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to ask you about Flynn. Kristen, go ahead. You're live. Kristen Welker in the spin room. I believe she has the Clinton communications director with her. Go ahead, Kristen. Okay, thank you. I think this is his last question. Um, You know, we have Kristen Welker. We're looking at her. She couldn't quite hear me before. Can you hear me now? If you can, go ahead. Hey, Ari, I'm here with communications director Jen Palmieri for the Clinton campaign. Hey, sorry. I I was a little busy just telling her exactly what I was going to ask her and kind of working on her answers with her. So I'm sorry. Uh, Sorry it took so long. But now we're going to get to this real serious hardball interview. That woman on MSNBC is going to be the moderator of the next debate. Why do we sign up for this? Part of the reason we sign up for this as conservatives is because we have no institutional power. Even when we control the White House, we have no institutional power. So Trump has to go on with the Savannah Guthrie's of the world. Sometimes there's an advantage to this, though it would be good. I think if President Trump is going to interrupt, he should be more strategic about it this week, and he should focus more of it on the moderator, who's not going to be moderate at all, and should let Joe Biden try to finish his his sentences, which I suspect will not go very well at all. The other uh, big event that happened over the past few days is the Women's March. Remember the Women's March? That was an event. It was just a way to protest Trump in, in 2016. And a bunch of women went to D.C. and screamed. And the Women's March always billed itself as nonpartisan. It's the Women's March. You know, it's just for women. It isn't about Trump. This isn't about abortion or whatever. So uh, this year, some pro-life women decided to show up. 
And it uh, turns out that Women's March is not really about women at all. It's just a bunch of leftists. There was one uh, pro-life woman who showed up pregnant and said, look, my baby has a heartbeat. My baby is obviously a baby. And these ghouls over here want to kill my baby. But you should see the reality of it that my baby's a baby. Don't kill the baby. And one of these ghouls, uh, the pro-women's march, you know, the kind of radical leftists there, said that this was so offensive that uh, if she were that baby, she'd want to kill herself. Imagine using your child for political s***. What did you say? You'd want to kill yourself? I'm saying if I was that child, I'd probably want to kill myself. Yeah. Ultrasound. Yeah, we are trying to find her heartbeat. Yeah, you're gonna uh, project it. Yep. And why? Why are you doing that? To show that my daughter is a real human. She's yes, she's in my body. Yes, I'm responsible for her, but her life matters too. And this march, they're not marching for preborn women. That's why I'm here, and my daughter's here. Makes perfect sense to me. And you've got this ghoulish leftist gal saying, yeah, I'd, I'd want to kill myself if I were that baby. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, that, that's the kind of uh, women's solidarity we see. You saw it in the Washington Post. Here's the headline. Women's March in D.C. draws thousands in protest of Supreme Court nominee. The Supreme Court nominee, who, who I will remind you, is a woman. And what a woman. Oh my God, this woman, you know, she, truly talk about having it all, right? This woman, incredible judicial career, incredible academic career, and mother of seven, five biological kids, two adopted kids, now put up for the Supreme Court. Oh my gosh, the women should be thrilled, right? They should be gathering in support of this woman, but they're not because this march has nothing to do with women. It's just a bunch of leftist ghouls shouting disgusting things, such as if I were a baby in that pro-life woman's womb, I'd want to kill myself. Also, also don't forget, as we have this, ri- this ritual in the liturgy of li- liberalism that happens now, I guess, once a year. Thousands of people showed up for this women's march. And yet, many thousands of churches in the country remain closed. Now, I, something tells me COVID is going to spread just as easily at, with all these thousands of people gathered together, protesting for liberal causes, as would in a church. Probably spread more quickly, but it doesn't matter. From the very beginning, There's one set of rules for leftists on the coronavirus and another set of rules for everybody else. You can't go to grandma's funeral, but you can go to George Floyd's funeral. doesn't matter that only 50 people are going to go to grandma's funeral and 100,000 are going to go to George Floyd's funeral. It's important for the liturgy of liberalism that everyone go to George Floyd's funeral. That's that's a religious liberty issue. (laughs) But your religious liberty, your religion, no way. There's a caste system now in America, and sorry, buddy, you're not at the top of it. Actually, as a matter of these kind of racial grievance politics, we've got a, a brand new political party in the United States, not Kanye West's political party, the birthday party, which I'm probably going to join after the Trump years. I'll probably just end up leaving the Republican party, joining the Kanye West birthday party. Say so what, Michael, what is your political view? I'm a Kanye West conservative, more of a Kanye kind of guy, but P Diddy puff diggity doodad, uh, was the one who just came out and formed a new political party called the black party, our black party. He tweets out, quote, the number one, and this is kind of all random capitalizations, the number one priority is to get Trump out of office. He has to go. By the way, Puff Daddy used to be friends with Trump. There are a lot of pictures of them hanging out, having a good time, but I guess Trump becomes a Republican. All of a sudden, P. Diddy can't lose his street cred. He has to go. We can't allow this man to continue to try and divide us 
the people that have the most responsibility and should be scared to death of this man are white people. We're on the verge of a race war. What does that mean? That, I guess that's a threat. Say so white people should be really scared because we're on the verge of a race war. However, it, it, it does occur to me, there are more white people than black people in the country, right? I mean, white people are what, like 50, more than 50% of the country. And then black people are like 12% of the country. So what does that mean? We, you should be scared to death of this man because we're on the verge of a race war. I hope we're not on the verge of a race war. Things have gotten too serious. It would be irresponsible of me to have us hold our vote hostage. Ah, uh, and there's, there's the key. It would be irresponsible of me to have us hold our vote hostage, but it would also be irresponsible of me to let this moment go by and not make sure going forward we're doing what it takes to own our politics. Wow, that's so lame. So he goes, I'm starting a new political party. It's only for black people because Trump is dividing us. So I'm going to make another political party that divides us on the basis of race. But, you know, it's very important that the whole black party votes for Biden, the Democratic Party. Well, then you didn't make a new political party. You're just, it's just a PR stunt for the Democrats. It's very important that we be independent and think for ourselves and do exactly what the Democrats tell us to do. Um, no, I don't, I don't think that makes sense at all. You know, the, the other political party that was just formed, the birthday party, my favorite new political party, at least for Kanye, I mean, he likes Trump, but he's, he is kind of forging his own political identity. He's saying, yeah, I disagree with the Republicans on this. I disagree with the Democrats on this. It actually is his own kind of thing. And for a lot of it, I actually agree pretty wholeheartedly with the Kanye West birthday party. But the, the black party from P. Diddy doesn't mean anything. He's just saying, yeah, yeah. We're, black people are going to have our own political party, and then we're going to immediately rejoin the Democratic Party. And actually, we'll never have left in the first place. That's democracy for you. You know, some people are really afraid of losing our democracy. Because if Trump wins, by definition, that means that we're losing our democracy. There was, a, I felt, one of the most articulate leftists in the country just summed this up on social media. Terrified! Listen to me, Republicans, listen! You are the people in history they warned us about! They warned us about people like you! Pay attention! We're losing our democracy! Wake up! Wake up! <laughs> Can I file a workman's comp claim for what just happened to my eardrum? <laughs> because uh, that... Uh, we should have turned that down before that lady gave her beautiful oration. Uh, but I think her, her point uh, expresses the views of many Democrats in this country. And it's, it's one of the funniest ones. They never seem to realize the irony of this. They come out and they say, look, we support democracy. And if you ever, if you, the people ever disagree with us, that's the end of democracy. So, well, hold on. <laughs> You're saying that you support the people going out and expressing their views at the ballot box. And that's good because that's pro-democracy. But if they ever disagree with your party, that's the end of democracy. But no, I think in, in reality, that would be an expression of democracy, wouldn't it? This is something that, that liberalism and the Democratic Party just doesn't understand. Because they don't support democracy. They are progressive. And so they, they believe that, well, one, be, being part of the progressive project, they believe most of our politics should just be outsourced to experts and bureaucrats and eggheads and the administration. So they give all deference to that. But even at the ballot box, for what little that means these days, because we're, we're on the road to progress, the Democratic Party has to win. It has to. It's, it's the only, it's in everybody's interest 
it's what all the smart people want to do and it's what all the good people want to do. And if anybody just knew the facts, they would vote for the Democratic Party. So any, any time the Democrats lose, it is by definition illegitimate, according to them. Any, the only way it makes sense is if democracy has been subverted. I mean, th- this is what's really led to the problems of the, the Trump era, is that Democrats told us that Trump is Hitler, right? Because they thought it was going to be easy to beat him. So they said, Trump is Hitler. And then half the country voted for Hitler. So either half the country are Nazis or they were wrong about Trump or lying about Trump or some combination. But the, the left can't admit that they were wrong or that they were lying. It's not, they're not capable of it. And so it has to be the case that half the country are Nazis. Now they're proposing a truth and reconciliation commission, just like they had in South Africa to, to basically just to punish everybody who voted for Trump. There are multiple uh, Democrats proposing this on MSNBC, major Democratic economists. They're proposing this because it, it is not legitimate in a democratic system to vote for anybody other than the left. Th- those are the stakes of this election. Th- there is no moderation. There is none, none left. There are no moderators. You know, it's fun. The moderator, the term moderator comes from the word, the moderate, the idea to, to bring down, to lessen, to get into control, to make less extreme, to be modest, to be, to be mo- there's nothing modest or moderate about frankly, about most people left in the country, but certainly about the left. There's none of that. So there is, there is no moderator. We won't, we won't have that. And, and I, I do fear as a result, however this election turns out, there might not be very much reconciliation unless people do get a little bit of that modesty or a little bit of humility or a little bit of charity for their fellow Americans and and cool down the screaming and the shouting and recognize that uh, there, there, are, there are reasons that people would vote for Democrats. I mean, they're bad reasons and it's immoral to vote for Biden, but people make mistakes. This is a fallen world. And the Democrats need to realize that there are reasons for people to vote for Trump, such as wisdom and moral clarity and, uh, you know, intelligence and other, other reasons too, education. Uh, and they, they need to recognize that because if you, if you believe just that by definition, uh, anyone voting for the other guy is, has undermined the entire system, then the system's over. And that creates a very precarious situation as we head in within just the next few weeks into an election that may already pose a constitutional crisis. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. And production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental. And that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen.